morning. Uh, For you who I've not had the privilege of meeting, uh, my name is Dr. Larry McCain. I have the privilege of serving as the Chicago Central District uh, Church of the Nazarene's uh, District Superintendent. So I want to bring you greetings from 86 Nazarene churches uh, from all across these 12 counties of Northeast uh, Illinois. Um, This morning we worship in 15 different languages. Uh, The Lord is doing some phenomenal things. And I also, uh, this last week, I spent a long season with uh, Dr. David Graves, who is our general superintendent, uh, that uh, is connected with our district. Uh, Dr. Graves uh, is actually in the country of India all month, uh, ministering to a number of Nazarene districts that we have in India. So he, wants, uh, he wanted me to, to certainly share uh, greetings with you because he carries this church on his heart. Um, I also want to share with you something that some of you may not know. Uh, this last week, because of your faithful mission support and giving, where this church is just a legacy church for us, this last week in the Church of the Nazarene, we started 27 new churches in the world. This last week in the Church of the Nazarene, we started, we, we, we actually had out of those churches and then our existing um, 30,700 churches, this last week we had 2,872 new people join the church. Now here's the amazing thing. The church has been multiplying at that level every week because of your faithful support for missions. Every week we have added that number of churches and those numbers of new members every week for 10 years. Consistently across the board, every week the church is expanding. Every week the church is multiplying. And we can only do that because we have faithful people who drop sacrificial offerings in the offering plate every single week uh, to support missions, to support faith promise to support your district, and this church is one of, those, one of those what we call legacy churches. Now, Dr. Graves also wanted me to share with you that technically, uh, when uh, Pastor Andrew went on uh, a medical um, leave of absence back in September, according to the polity of the Nazarene church, I technically became your pastor. And uh, so uh, I have been a pastor from behind for these last four or five months. And, uh, and uh, I have, uh, I had, after consultation with the board, I have asked Pastor Phil and Pastor Jack. Pastor Phil has been preaching uh, in the morning for us. Uh, and Pastor Jack has been running all the day-to-day operations of the church. And uh, I would like these two men, they're embarrassed to do I want those men to stand, and would you please w- tell them how much we appreciate all of the work that they have done. There aren't two men that have done a better job and more sacrificial job over these last four or five months than them. And so we just want you all to know how much we appreciate it. This has been a challenging week here at at K1. 
Here's a message from Simone that she asked me to share with all of you this morning. Pastor Andrew was admitted to the hospital this weekend due to stress. His MRI looked stable, and this was not cancer-related as the treatments have been effective and the doctors are encouraged. Andrew has always prioritized the well-being of the church over his own. He has now walked 900 miles for the financial wellness of the church because he wanted to keep his commitment, even when his body was not at its maximum capacity to do so. Pastor Andrew has loved the church, just like Christ loves the church, giving sacrificially of himself and obediently for the sake of the gospel. Simone says, so we fix our eyes on the Lord, the author and the perfecter of our faith. He will make a way out, so let us have joy, for the joy of the Lord is our strength, exclamation point. Pastor Andrew plans to share a letter that he wrote for the congregation. He will do so next Sunday with the help of God. As a superintendent of uh, the Chicago Central District, Denise and I travel across these 12 counties in northeast Illinois, and we have the privilege of being in one of our 86 churches every week. Either I'm speaking or I'm listening to a wonderful sermon. I didn't have the privilege of being here at Kenke First Church a couple of weeks ago, but I did have the privilege of listening uh, via the internet on one of the finest sermons I have heard on the Beatitudes of Jesus from the sermon on the Mount. Pastor Phil preaching on the subject, blessed are those who mourn. And he said, after he read that scripture, for you who are here, he made this statement, that's a pretty hard sell. We're blessed when we mourn. In that message, Pastor Phil talked about the stages of grief that people go through, that every one of us has experienced grief, some at deeper levels than others. Grief doesn't feel like blessing. We so much want to run from it. When we find ourselves in the stages of grief, we want to deny the horrible pain that we're experiencing and the groaning and the agony that we feel, the loss of something that is so very valuable to us or someone who's close to us. Grief and mourning bring intense sadness, and we've all experienced that. Pastor Phil said, when we, when we are feeling all of this, it's really, really hard to feel blessed. How could Jesus possibly say to us, blessed are those who mourn? And this is what he said, quote, well, there is one other component that is always present when we grieve, and that's when we love. Because where there's no love, there's no grief. We grieve when we deeply, deeply love. And over these past five years, Kankakee First Church has been through a number of challenges that few churches go through in a lifetime. Beyond that, because this congregation is one of our great flagship churches and it's now 80 years old, past 80, you have a number of members and pastors who have gone on to be with the Lord. In all of our lives, there are numbers of things that people in this room face that break our hearts. Heartbreak can happen for a variety of reasons. Because of finances, 
Heartbreak can happen because of work circumstances. Heartbreak can happen because of family situations. Heartbreak can happen because of health situations, church situations, relationship situations, the list goes on. So what do we do with heartbreak? Well, the Bible says in Romans 12, 15, we weep with those who weep. And today, I just felt a strong impression of the Lord that I, I needed to share a message with you on the subject, God can heal a broken heart. Would you pray with me? Lord, I just want to say thank you that you are, that you're present in this great church. You have said that you'll never leave us or forsake us. None of us are wise enough and smart enough and, and, um, have enough insight to know everything we need to know to do what you have called us to do, to live our lives in obedience to your word and to follow you fully in the fellowship of your church. I pray you'll make this for me not just another Sunday morning message to share and for these who have gathered, not just another Sunday morning sermon to listen to. You have actually told us that Pastors are not the teachers, really, that the teacher is the Holy Spirit. That's really comforting news. That when in the feeble efforts that we have to share your word, that you're able to have 300 to 500 to 700 conversations or more at the same time, simultaneously with people, taking the word and applying it to our individual lives. So we pray, Father, that that second voice that's present in all true biblical teaching, that the second voice would come and speak today individually in the unique way that only you can do to give us the word that we need for today in this place because you are the head of this church, none of us. In the name of Jesus, we offer our prayers. All of God's people said, amen. Most of the time in our church, as you know, we want Sunday to be a celebration time. We want this to be the most refreshing hour of your week. We want this to be a time where you leave and you feel like you have connected with God and you have connected with His Word and you've connected with His people, you've connected with His Spirit. There are other times, though, as we listen, as we read the Scripture, There are some times when we read, it just causes us to pause. It causes us to be quiet. It causes us to reflect. To reflect deeply. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 is one of those passages. And these are the words from one of the wisest men who ever lived. He wrote, there is a time for everything. There is a season for every activity. There's a time to laugh and a time to weep. There's a time to dance and there's a time to mourn. Now, we who are believers have the faith to believe that one day in his time, God is the only one that can take the pain of heartbreak and make sense out of it in our lives. He's the only one that can show us what he wants us to do with the things that march into our lives that just 
aren't fair, that don't make any sense, that cause people to mourn and to weep. What are the things in the last few months when just you and Jesus are together and you are completely honest and open with him? What is it that breaks your heart? What is it that crushes your spirit? It just kind of makes you numb all over because you can't believe that it's happening. Denise and I, my wife and I, have had some things march into our lives over the past years that in our honest private moments, we sit together and we hold hands and we just weep. And as I sat there this week thinking and praying and reflecting about this message to you this week, I pray, God, we need a word for the people who come to Kankakee First Church this Sunday. I will be speaking there, and we need a word for people who have experienced hurt and heartbreak, some maybe in the past months, some in this room maybe for years. And as I reflected, it seemed that the Lord led me to this passage of Scripture. It's found in the book of Psalms. Psalms is a great place to go. And this is what the Bible says. Psalm 34 and verse 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and He saves those who are crushed in spirit. Now today, we want to think for a few moments on this theme of God can heal a broken heart. Now it's interesting in the Bible that God never tries to explain the heartbreaks or the pain that we experience in life. Now you know, as humans, we usually get into trouble when we try to explain something. The Bible never does. It doesn't try to explain why life's heartbreaks happen. But what it does do is it shows us how to handle them. As Pastor Phil preached two weeks ago in Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount, he turns to his disciples in that historic teaching, and there on the hillside overlooking that beautiful Sea of Galilee, Jesus makes an amazing statement. And we don't think much about it, and it really doesn't seem to make any sense until you personally need it. But this is what Jesus said. To those who are willing to open themselves up to an upside-down kingdom where the values are flipped, and sometimes the only thing to do is trust. Jesus looked at his disciples that day, And said this, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. You say, well, Pastor Larry, well, how can anyone be blessed during a crushing loss? How can anyone be consoled when they have experienced a tragedy or something happens to them that whether it's financial or relational or physical or emotional... How can they, how can they in the midst of a broken heart, how can they be blessed? Jesus reaches down in the midst of pain, our pain, and he says to us, 
the only answer is to receive supernatural comfort from God. And so for a few moments today, I just, we just want to talk a little bit about experiencing God's supernatural comfort. The first thing is to realize that God is with you. When we're really hurting, we, our, our human tendency is to forget where God is. We, we think he's distant, that he's far away. <laughs> and the fact is, the Bible says God is very, very near. Remember Psalm 34 and verse 18, the Bible says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed. The fact is, God is with us even when we are in incredible pain. He's aware of the pain. He cares about our pain, and he wants to help us get through our pain. In Job 13, 27, the Bible says, You keep a close watch on all my paths. The fact is, God is watching over every person who has experienced pain this past year. Every single person who's lost a loved one. Every single person who's gone through a tragedy. Every single person who's been in some kind of a crisis that when you look back in 2019, it breaks your heart. I'm here to tell you this morning, nothing escapes the eyes of Jesus. You know, the Bible even says that every tear that we cry is recorded by God. In Psalm 56, verses 8 and 9, the Bible says, Record my lament, list my tears on your scroll. Are they not in your record? By this I will know that God is for me. You see, when you grieve, God is not against you. When you are in pain, God is for you. God knows when you are sobbing on the inside. He knows when you cry He knows when you feel overwhelmed. He understands when you are in the middle of a crisis. He understands when you don't know what to do. And when we're in pain, our temptation is to think, well, nobody knows what I'm going through. But I'm here to tell you this morning, this book says that God knows. He knows. And not only does he know, he cares. We have a heavenly father who cares what happens to us. No, God doesn't choose to insulate our lives from pain. God does not choose to insulate our lives from problems. God doesn't choose to insulate our lives from pressure. We have all of that. We have pain. We have problems. We have pressure. They come with the territory of what's called life. God doesn't try to explain everything that happens. And sometimes things happen that just when they walk into our lives, they just break our hearts. But there is one thing that I want to say to you when you hurt, and that is that your pain matters to God. It really does. And you can talk to Jesus about your pain. Listen to what the Bible says in Hebrews 4 and verses 15 and 16. Jesus understands pain. 
We do not have someone who does not understand our problems, but we have one who was tempted and went through everything we go through and yet was without sin. And this is what the scripture says, let us then approach approach his grace with the throne of his grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find help in our time of need. What this verse says to us today is that God not only offers us awareness, God offers us assistance. He not only cares about our hurt, he wants to help us in our hurt. And when we really connect with God, we find a supernatural level of assistance that people out in the world just can't understand. You say, well, Pastor Larry, what assistance does God give? What assistance can he give? Well, his assistance is sometimes the only thing that helps us step through our pain. He uses the church. He uses Christian brothers and sisters. All of us here this morning know people who have had deep pain, and they have never been able to step through it. And so they have withdrawn from people and they are isolated and they internally grieve. And month after month, some way, somehow they get stuck in their hurt and they can't seem to connect with the one source who can help them move through it. So how does God heal this in a person's life? Well, first we have to realize that God is with us. He offers us assistance in our hurt. Then secondly, he's the only one that can help us release our hurt. You know what happens if we don't have God, if we don't supernaturally connect with God? You know what we humanly do with our hurt? As humans, we normally do one of three things. First, sometimes we try to bury it. We we suppress it. We try to rationalize it. We try to pretend that it doesn't exist. We tell others that we don't hurt that much, and we mask our pain, hoping that it will go away. What else do we do with our hurt humanly? Sometimes we bury it. Secondly, sometimes we blame other people. We're tempted to blame other people for our hurt. Psalm 50:20 says, "You're always ready to accuse your own brothers, find fault with them." And it's a well-known experience of us as humans. We we have a deep hurt that we want to get rid of. Well, what happened is somebody else's fault. And we've all met families who live in great pain today, and we've watched them as they blame somebody else around them because hurting people tend to hurt other people because when we're hurt as humans, it's just automatic. We look around for somebody to blame. And when you think about it, we all use blame kind of like a balance. If you can imagine in your mind on the scale, one side of the scale is hurt and one side says blame. And so when we start to experience deep hurt, the scales start to tip. And if we're alone and we instinctively don't connect with God, we some way have to balance that hurt. And so what do people do? They blame. They blame other people trying to make things even. We think that will make it better. But you know what? It's just Satan's temptation. It's his, it's his way to get us to blame others, and that doesn't work. So what do people in a broken world do with their hurt? Sometimes they bury their hurt. Sometimes they blame others. And then thirdly, you know what? Sometimes 
They beat themselves up. This is one of the hardest things that people do when they hurt. We're all tempted to administer self-punishment so we condemn ourselves and criticize ourselves. And we think, if only I had done this, or if only I had done that. And we, I, we, we think I should have never done that. And why was I so dumb? And we condemn and we deplore, we denounce ourselves. And you know what? As humans, it's this instinctive reaction. We sometimes try to pay for our pain when we really hurt by beating ourselves by saying it's my fault. If I'd only done this, if I'd only done that, if I could redo this or redo that, and instinctively we try to pay for our pain. But you know what the big problem with self-punishment is? The big problem is that once we get into that cycle, our conscience never knows when to quit. And we can spend the rest of our life trying to pay for a hurt that happened 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago. This week, Pastor Jack shared with me about the deep pain that someone who called asking to be ministered to in, at the church this week, pain they have carried for years, they just couldn't let go of. And as a result, everybody around them lives in pain. We all know people who suffer like that. They, they suffer. They live in the past, and they live in a past that's filled with hurt, and their conscience never quits. It just repeats the hurt in their mind over and over again. You say, well, Pastor Larry, what, what is the solution? There's only one solution that I know of, and that's to supernaturally connect with God. God never meant for you or I to live under a heavy load of long-term hurt. Hurt over what we can't control. Hurt over what we couldn't control. So how does God heal it? He heals it with love. And he heals it with time. And in his time... He's the only one that can help us, not just focus on what we have lost. But in some kind of supernatural way, he helps us to be thankful and supernaturally focus on what we have left. So what, what do we do with our hurt? What are the options of what we can do with our pain? Well, number one, we can repress it. We can pretend it's not happening. We can swallow our feelings and we can pretend we don't hurt. That's awfully unhealthy. Or secondly, we can rehearse it. We can, we can go through life rehearsing it over and over again. Or thirdly, we can resent it. Because we blame somebody else for our hurt. We can go through life looking for ways to hurt other people that we think are the fault. But you know what? Resentment and anger always hurts us more than it does the other people we blame. You know what God says about hurt? He says, don't repress it. Don't rehearse it. Don't resent it. What are we supposed to do with our hurt? There's only one choice. We have to release it. We just have to release hurt and pain to God. The fact is, in life, the hurts that usually hurt the most 
are totally out of our control. Things we wish we could control and we can't. And you know what? There's an awfully lot in life that you and I cannot control. Jesus knew that. And that's why he taught us that there's really only one option that we have to ultimate peace, and that is to release our hurt to God. So how does he heal it? Well, first, when we realize where God is, that he's close to us, that he knows our name, like we just sang, that he knows our pain, that he wants to help us, that's the first step. Secondly, when we give him our hurt, we don't repress it, we don't rehearse it, we don't resent it, we just release it into his hands. And then the third and last step to healing is we have to rely on his resources, not our own. God's resources. You know, Jesus is, Jesus is talking about these heavenly resources in the Sermon on the Mount as he looks over the Sea of Galilee that day, and he says, blessed are those who mourn, for the promise is they shall be comforted with heavenly resources. And it's always amazing how people without God, you all know them because you go to school with them or you work with them or they're in the neighborhood. You know people without God and how they try to be comforted today. In their pain, some people escape by taking pills. In their pain, some people get drunk. In their pain, some people have affairs. In their pain, some people bury themselves in a variety of habits or activities trying to escape the reality of pain. People who hurt try so many ways to get rid of pain in their life, hoping that they won't have to face it. But all these things don't fix it. They just don't work over the long haul. It's been proven time and time again. There's only one lasting solution to the hurting heart, and that is to receive supernatural comfort from God. It's the only thing. You may be thinking, well, Pastor, well, how does God do it? How does he do it? When you grieve, you know. You have experienced it. The Almighty God who comes to us, the God who has made his home with us, the Jesus who have said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you and I will be with you. I will come to you and make my home within you. This God has three heavenly resources to comfort us. Let's look at them together. Number one is his word. David says in Psalm 119, verse 25 and verse 52, this is actually from the Living Bible. He says, I am completely discouraged. Revive me by your word. Your word has been my comfort. I'd recommend that you, if you've never done this, that you get a modern translation of the Bible and just read through the book of Psalms. Open your Bible, take a highlighter, and highlight all the verses that comfort you. And you will have them in those times of trouble and deep pain because they were written to comfort you. 
every Sunday, without exception in a church this size, behind the smiling faces, there are people who are living in pain. People who are living with hurt. And week by week, many come into this place and down deep inside they are asking, does God have a word in my pain? Does Jesus have a solution for what I'm facing? And the good news, the answer to that question is yes. It's yes. He does have a word for you. His comfort is supernatural. He has the power to heal a hurting heart, and it begins with his word. The second comforting agent God uses is not just his word, but his people. We really do need each other. As Christians, we're not made to be isolated. We're made to know and to be known. We're made to share our pain and share our hurt and share our grief with each other, being transparent and honest with what's going on. That's God's plan for his church. He designed us to be a spiritual family in many ways that are close, even closer than our blood relatives. As I travel, I watch this, and I have been so deeply moved as I have watched people love each other in a church during times of pain and times of difficulty. I have been awed watching life relationships between people who genuinely lay down their lives and they love each other in times of broken-hearted grief. They love each other at a level the world doesn't understand. And there's nothing like that in all the world. When everyone is a part and feels a part of a spiritual family, when we're honest with each other about what's really going on and we build trust with each other and we know exactly what the other person is going through, what's happening in their lives. We're not isolated. We're not alone. And that's why being a part of a group in this church is so important. Getting involved in a ministry group like the choir, getting involved in a Sunday school class or getting involved in some kind of a life group where you get to know brothers and sisters that you spiritually bond with and they know what you are going through and you know what they are going through. So not just they, but you can be in a position to help others when they need it because one way of being healed is to help with the healing of somebody else. Look at this verse with me from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. The Bible says this, The God of all comfort comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others with the comfort that we ourselves have received. From God. God is the only one who can take our hurt, who can take our pain, and He can use it to help somebody else. The Bible says He comforts us and He helps us so that we can turn around and comfort others with the comfort of God that we have received. And this is so important for us to realize people in pain do not need advice. People in pain do not need instruction. You know what they really need? 
They need to find someone who can say to them, I understand because I have been where you are at. I know how you feel. I know what it's like to go through pain. I've been there. I know what it's like to lose a spouse. I've been there. I know what it's like to lose a son or a daughter. I've been there. I know what it's like to face illness, to face cancer. I've been there. I know what it's like to lose a mom or a dad. I've been there. I know what it's like to go through a divorce. I've been there. I know what it's like to have an alcoholic parent. I've been there. I know what it's like to lose a job overnight. I've been there. I know what it's like to suffer extreme depression. I've been there. I know what it's like to grieve. Because I've been there, it has happened to me. I know where you are coming from because I remember the loneliness. I remember the pain. I remember the hurt. And I don't have any advice, but I do understand. And when that kind of connection is made in the spiritual realm, that's when the third resource of the Holy Spirit supernaturally starts to move. And His comforting power starts to operate. Because God is the only one who can take human pain and make sense out of it. The Bible says no matter how deep or painful our hurt, God will never waste it. Instead, down the road, only he can take our pain. And if we let him, after he has healed us, he will use us to heal someone else. He uses his word. He uses his people. He uses his spirit. We serve a God who can heal a broken heart. Would you bow your heads for prayer with me? I don't know what, where you're at when you came into church today. I, 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 I'm just a, a guest speaker for today I don't know what you're going through in your personal life but here's one thing I do know I do know that Jesus knows everything that's happening inside of you and today if your life is filled with hurt I'm here to tell you that that you matter to God. He knows exactly where you're at. And he says, I'm close to the brokenhearted. And I heal those who are crushed in spirit. If you're here today, I just, I just felt like that maybe we should close just praying together. The altar is a great place to pray. If you want to come and pray as we close this service, you can feel free to do so. If you want to pray in your seat, you can do so. I know where this church is at in its journey as a superintendent. We need to pray. We just need to pray.
So, as Don plays quietly, if you feel like that you need to pray about something at the altar and you want to you give either for yourself, pray, or you want to pray for somebody else, feel free to come as we, as we close this service in prayer. as he sings this. Let's sing it together. <laughs>